Welcome to the program, everybody. You just stepped inside of Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and I want to welcome you to another exciting edition of Psychotic Bump School. So, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, oh, we have an amazingly full show. Check this out, y'all. We're going to have three amazing guests coming through the school tonight. We have the return of Lori Peacock and Jeffrey Keller. Lori and Jeff are always here to talk politics with me and, you know, just, just all terrain political stuff with these two. We're going to be breaking down the latest in politics, including uh, the latest uh, January 6th news coming out of uh, that panel with Liz Cheney and uh, the other Democrats and Republicans. They they finally have some evidence that they're going to find incriminating against the former occupant of the White House. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the first ever confirmed Supreme Court justice uh, African-American descent of African-American descent. That would be Katanji Brown Jackson. That's right, y'all. She made it across the finish line. Uh, we're going to be talking about that as well as Will Smith, Chris Rock, Jada Pinkett Smith. We're going to be breaking down all of the Oscar stuff, the slap, the aftermath, the banning from the Oscars. We're going to get it all in with Lori and Jeff this evening. And it is my proud honor to welcome for the very first time this good sister is an absolute legend she is an mc songwriter and singer she's also a music attorney representing the likes of super producer madlib and the estate of mf doom that's right the late rapper we lost uh, toward the end of 2020 mf doom is represented by this guest ladies and gentlemen we're going to be welcoming tonight the good sister stacy Epps. We're going to be talking music licensing, uh, music in general, her career on and off stage uh, in the studio with all these legendary hip hop artists. That is the good sister, Stacey Epps. So that's going to be our lineup. So you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are going to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We're going to kick off our show with Lori and Jeff after this. Let me be the first to say that I'm amazed with all that you do. That's some real magic, not voodoo. A work of art crafted to become a goddess. Damn girl, you swagged out. Tell me how you stay so modest. Honestly, I'm trying to know you well. Yeah. Sweep you off your feet and out your red bottoms How they treat you like you're mental and don't have a head problem I'm sure that you're not immune but you don't stay in bed sobbing I'm amazed With the person that your father taught and who your mama raised Not them lady marbleades I'm talking real queens Someone like Coretta Scott King Shirley Chisholm That be down the road some ism in the drop While conversing about the stars Not a lot of makeup but you good at hiding scars Nefertiti If we get the chance to meet I hope you never leave me Never ever please don't please If I miss a shot who gon' hustle for my reads Who gon' help me hustle up I wonder if it's that your skin is dipped in black gold This is that your ancestors worked the back roads This is that you help your man realize that he's a king Is that for those you love you do about anything Or maybe it's how you danced at that one spot off a cabinet to Jamaica funk, that's what it is. Your eyes carry fire that the sun got. Sitting up top, shining down on Egypt from my peoples. From the churches to the steeples to the pyramids. I'm trying to build something with somebody who not scared of rock or not, do. I will match their worth and if they mind, I know they got me too. I just want to say I went through something and they got me through. Queen, you got that all in your jeans. From all that in your jeans, God bless you. Yep. The size of your lips is very special. Yep. Your curves is more extraterrestrial. I wrestle with the fantasy. 
You handed me your fruit underneath a banana tree I'm just saying, can it be? You walk by, make a young boy use profanity Can I slide through and cook you up a dish of light snack? How you pick up on my vibe and you dish it right back Nefertiti, since we got the chance to meet I hope you never leave me Never ever please. I wonder please. if it's that your skin is dipped in black gold. Is it that your ancestors work the back roads? Is it that you help your man realize that he's a king? Is it that for those you love, you do by anything? Or maybe it's how you take care of your body. Essential oils, face mask, shea butter. That's what it is. Or could it be all the stones that you rockin'? Crystal quartz, amethyst, tiger's eye. That's what it is. Or maybe it's how you represent the earth. Mother Nature and the civilization. That's what it or is. Or could it be how you don't take no shit from nobody? Showing strength. That's what it is. Okay, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com. This program is called Psychotic Bum School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, the news cycle has continued in grand deluxe fashion. Let me tell you, we have undergone quite a turn of events just in the past weekend we have some developing news coming out of the january 6th insurrectionist panel uh we had the very first uh african-american sister confirmed to the supreme court and of course the will and chris and jada thing is just never going to leave the news cycle so i want to talk about all that and to help me have this conversation i am proud to welcome this stellar panel of guests y'all know who these people are they've been here multiple times before and they always are on the one let me tell you our returning champs this good sister is a good friend of mine from way back she has worked in education she's an actress she's super talented she's super cool ladies and gentlemen please help me welcome back to psychotic bump school our good sister miss Lori peacock miss peacock are you there i am here and glad to be here thank you Ron. well welcome back and last but not least coming in bringing up the rear but the star of the year this good brother has been working up a storm. He is an active member on the comedy circuit. He's a former NFLer with the Atlanta Falcons. He's the co-host of one of the longest standing programs in Southern California called the Pocho Hour of Power in Southern California. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Mr. Keller, there you are. <laughs> oh man, what's up, Rome? How you doing, brother? Oh, we oh. cool in the gang, man. You all right? Lori, Lori and I were getting worried. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I've been on a hectic schedule. It's been crazy. See, Lori, what did I tell you? This guy That's is exactly what you said. This guy That's exactly what you said. Hey, man, you, you talk about me. Remember I told you how dog tired I was? And I, I just went to bed, man. I was tired. So I, I must not be. Hey, you still riding that Peloton? Man, three, four days a week. See, man, maybe I need to start writing Peloton. I do get my workouts in, but yeah, I don't have the energy that you do. But hey, y'all, welcome back. It's been a minute. Oh, my God. Uh, Mr. Keller, we got a lot of things to get through. I just showed uh, something before we uh, got on the air here. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, y'all. Um, I'm almost not sure, Lori, I mean, since I'm going to roll this for Mr. Keller real quick. I'm not even sure how I feel about this because it, it, it starts to become... Uh, brain numbing to always hear that, yeah, we about to let y'all kick the football, but what does it really mean? How many times have we seen this movie before? Uh, over the weekend, just this past Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, Liz Cheney, Republican Liz Cheney, uh, one of the Republicans on the January 6th investigation panel or insurrection panel, uh, she's one of two Republicans along with Adam Kinziger 
uh, she uh, broke the news that she may have enough evidence to press for criminal charges against uh, the former occupant of the White House. Uh, this is how she told that story uh, this past Sunday on CNN. Stand by. You're the vice chair of the January 6th committee, the New York Times uh, reporting this morning that your committee has concluded uh, that you have enough evidence to make a criminal referral for President Trump to the Justice Department for obstructing an official proceeding and for conspiracy to defraud the United States. Um, is that true? Do you have enough evidence to refer Trump for criminal charges? Well, we have not made a decision about referrals uh, on the committee. I think that it is absolutely the case. It's absolutely clear that um, what President Trump uh, was doing, uh, what, what a number of people around him were doing, that they knew it was unlawful, they did it anyway. I think you certainly saw that in the decision uh, that was issued by Judge Carter a few weeks ago, uh, where he concluded that uh, it was more likely than not that the President of the United States was engaged uh, uh, in criminal activity. Uh, I think what we have seen is a massive and well-organized and well-planned uh, effort that used multiple tools to try to overturn an election. Uh, you've seen just in the last few days uh, a, a plea agreement from one of the leaders of the Proud Boys, which, which lays out in really chilling detail the extent to which violence was planned, um, the extent to which uh, the message that went out on December 19th about the planning, about the rally in Washington, and don't forget, Donald Trump tweeted out that message, be, be there, be wild, um, that the day after that message, uh, the organization and the planning started, and, and that they understood, that they knew that they were going to attempt to use violence to try to stop the transfer of power. That is the, the definition of an insurrection, mm -hmm. uh, and it is, it is absolutely chilling. That is kind of chilling. Uh, to add for the context to that, Lori and Jeff, uh, when she said, or when uh, the host said Judge Carter, they're talking about David Carter. He's actually a federally appointed judge out of California, believe it or not. And they ordered his uh, former attorney, uh, Trump's that is, Mr. Eastman, to turn over about 100 emails. Uh, Ivanka Trump, uh, Lori and Jeff, she's been uh, cooperating with the, the panel. She testified and they say her evidence that she shared, or her testimony anyway, was pretty incriminating. Uh, well, they put it in quotes anyway, but uh, it, it was revealing testimony. And of course, that came on the heels months earlier. I think Jared Kushner also uh, shared some testimony. But I'm honestly not sure how I feel about it. That's why I want to talk to y'all. I mean, we, we've seen this movie before. It seems this dude always slips away, right? Uh, Jeff, let's go to Lori first. Lori, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think this is doom for uh, Donald Trump as far as this insurrection thing? What are your thoughts? The man is slippery and he is able to evade any kind of consequences for his behavior. So I do not think there's anything that's gonna happen as a result of this. The first thing out of her mouth was, we have not made a decision on this, but <laughs> the evidence that, right? that is clear. Oh yeah, we right. haven't made a decision, but it's clear that he did this, this, and this, and this. And this. Yeah. So really the decision is going to be, there will be no decision. There will be no consequences. They're not gonna move forward. They're not gonna do anything about it. He's gonna get away with what he did. But when she described it as mm -hmm. people coming in, you know, planning to physically do all that they could to keep the transfer of power um, from happening. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah, that's treasonous. That's, that's criminal. That there, there should be consequences. But again, like I said, 
they probably won't do anything. And um, just like with the impeachment and just like with everything, nothing will come of it. So just a yeah. lot of much to do about nothing, in my opinion. And, you know, money that's being spent and wasted on a committee that's not going to make a difference. Now, see, if Jeffrey Keller did that, Lori, they would have thrown him under the prison. Oh, and absolutely. It, it wouldn't have, would have taken only a heartbeat. But Jeffrey Keller is a pretty slippery guy, too. Mr. Keller, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, Rome, I've gave my thoughts to you on this a long time ago when I told you nothing was going to happen. Nothing at all, though? Dude, it, it's like, it's, how do you prosecute someone that's in your same house, your same family, your same community, and, and, and you doing scandalous stuff, too? Mm. They all doing scandalous stuff. They're afraid that he'll just come out and just tell on everybody. <laughs> Well, wait a minute. Wait. I, I want to know what he's talking about, Lori, because Madison Cawthorn, was he the one that talked about the, all the White House orgies? Yeah, uh, cocaine parties. Yeah. Are you, are you talking yeah. about that? Liz Cheney don't get down like that, do she? I'm sure she did when she was 40-something. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know what? She, look, she looks older. Liz Cheney's not that old, though. You know how old Liz Cheney is? She looks older you? than what she is. I'm going to look it up. But Lori, do you, do, what do you think about what Jeff said? Is it, is it that they're protecting their own and that's why nobody, it's like the, 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 the thin blue line or the blue wall with cops right. snitch on each other, right? Is that what right. he's Absolutely. About? That's what he's talking about. And I don't know that it's necessarily because they're afraid he's going to come out and say something against them. I think it is. It's just, you know, they protect their own. They're going to worry about their, that old boys network and that old a conservative bond that they have, um, it doesn't matter. They don't care that he does these horrible things because he's on their side, right? He's on our side, so we're going to support him no matter what. Yeah. So Liz Cheney is uh, 55 years old, about 30 years older than Lori Peacock, and <laughs> born in 1966. So she's not, she's not that far removed from her 40s, Mr. Keller. So there's no telling, man. But yeah, they, they people are saying Merrick Garland has been a big disappointment. I mean, it's bad enough that he didn't make it to the Supreme Court. We're going to talk about Katanji Brown Jackson a little bit, too. But they say he's not doing enough. And he keeps insisting that he hasn't taken anything off the table and anybody where there's dirt and there's enough evidence they will pursue criminal charges against. But some people are saying that Merrick is just uh, he, he he's not taking any actionable uh, steps toward resolving any of this. Are y'all, either y'all disappointed with Merrick Garland to this point? Jeffrey Keller, what do you think? Man, who's the last person they prosecuted that's been a congressman or president or vice president or I'll the, tell who's, you. who's the last person? I'll tell you who. Give me a few days though. <laughs> <laughs> I know I can think of somebody. <laughs> Yeah, and, you're right. that's, and that's my point, man. Come on, they doing dirty stuff all the time, but they never get caught. They take illegal funds, they take dark money. I mean, they do all kinds. They all do it. Okay, well, what okay. What are people gonna understand that Democrats and Republicans are all basically the same? Okay, until the people take over. I'm serious. Until the people take over the government and realize that we're being played by both parties. Mm -hmm. then things aren't going to change. I think they're very different, Mr. Keller. I don't see Democrats storming capitals, disrupting an official proceeding. They protest for sure. They have affairs. But between the two parties, 
I mean, they're, they're silently complicit sometimes by not holding Republicans accountable, but I think that's the responsibility of voters who have short memories about how bad it was under Trump. Lori, remember we were talking about that? That mm -hmm. I, I was saying to her, Jeff, before you came in, that Trump is trying to run for office again. As we know, he, he's going to run, but he's doing it so he can stay out of prison. And that probably won't be that difficult because if what you're saying is true, Jeff, and I don't doubt what you're saying is true, uh, he's probably going to get away with it anyway. But the presidency would further enshrine him from accountability. But I don't think, man, I, I, I had a long conversation with a friend in Texas last week, Lori and Jeff. There's a big difference between these two parties. Republicans are far more corrupt. And I'm not, look, I consider myself to be an independent, but it's clear the things that Republicans do and complain about to the other side, at best, is projection. You see all these pedophile rings, all these Republicans uh, coming out with these charges of molesting children, yeah, doing all this stuff and Pizzagate and all that. These guys are, and I'm not saying all Republicans. I'm not saying right. all Republicans. There are some cool ones out there. I do consider Liz, well, you know, permanent <laughs> interest, <laughs> permanent interest, but we never have permanent allies. I'm cool with that. We vote our interests, period. And if Liz is, if she got this one right, I'm down with Liz. But Jeff, do you really think there's no difference between, so if you closed your eyes and just picked one, Democrat, Republican, both of them are just as bad. Let, let me ask you this question. Why are we still fighting for the same stuff we've been fighting for since the 60s and 70s? Fair wages, fair housing. Um, God, it's, it seems like we just keep fighting for the same stuff and it's not changing. Or changes in small increments. It does change in small increments. And, 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 and we've had Democrats in power. We've had Congress and we've had the presidency. I mean, they, they got rid of the voting rights bill. Now we get, we're trying to get, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. How well, come, I, go ahead. I'm just, I'm, I'm just sorry, frustrated Jeff, over the, I'm just frustrated over the whole, the whole political system, man. Right. And I understand that frustration. However, there was a vast difference between the corruption on the, the conservative side and, and the liberal side. I'm not saying that the Democratic, I'm not saying that po politicians in general have had to do some pretty shady, shifty, questionable things to get to the level where they get to the level where they get. So, you know, I, I know there's corruption in, and it's, whether it's, you know, bending the truth a little bit here or whatever, there's, but there's levels, right? Like there's a little bit of dishonesty, but then there's like blatant lies, blatant uh, illegal activity, blatant disrespect. And so they're not the same, they're not the same. And if you think about change, I mean, think you guys, I don't know if this has impacted you or not. I was talking to Rome about this earlier. I don't know if it's impacted you or not. It hasn't me because I have private insurance through my job, but mm. you know, a lot of people that did not have it, that do not have insurance through their job and that covered California has made a huge difference for them in their lives mm -hmm. and their ability to stay alive and go to the doctor and go to the hospital and get things needed, get things done that they needed. And Obama put that into place. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was a huge thing. And California as a democratic state has continued and then gone above and beyond with healthcare than, other, than what other states have done. So, Democrats are not perfect, but I feel like they have the good of the, the benefit of the people and the benefit of society as their bottom line. They want to help kids in school. They want to help people that are in need. They want to have social services and welfare things. They want to have health care for people. It's 
you know, the, the, that's why I feel like I'm, that's why I'm a Democrat, because I believe in social services. I believe in making a difference for people who struggle, who might need help here or there or, or forever. And while I know that there are plenty of politicians that have lied, that have misled, that have bent the rules, I will take the Democratic Party any day over the Republican Party and their corruption. Any day. Lori, Jeff, name me. You just mentioned covered California that happened under Obama. I'm trying to think. I'll give you a few days, Mr. Keller. Name me a Republican policy that's made a difference in the lives of the common American citizen in the oh. last 10, 15, 20 years. A well, didn't they just ban abortions in, uh, was that Texas or Florida? They're all the same to me now. But they just they just banned abortion, so that's going to help people, right? Okay. And well, the don't say well, the don't say gay is, thing. What what the, what the law actually says is that if I find out that somebody had an abortion, I can sue the doctor, I can sue the person that had the abortion, I can sue the person that drove them there. I think up to ten thousand dollars. That's that's how the law was written. Mm. What else I, have they done? Can you have they passed a bill? I'm talking about the Republican Party. Oh, I, I'm not saying they're a great party. Now, I've I never said that. Can you name? I mean, okay. I'm so. not, I didn't, see what I'm saying? I'm not saying that they've done great. That's not what I'm saying. No, I I'm get saying, you. I get you. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is my problem is that thing, we're still fighting for the same thing. We're still fighting for equality. We're still fighting for, for equal wages. We're still trying to get rid of redlining. We're still trying to get fair housing. We're still trying to get equal. This is just stuff that we've been fighting for since the 50s and 60s. And my problem is if Democrats are saying, well, we're doing this, well, then why are we fighting for the same things? Get it together. If you really for the people, then listen on it and quit uh, a lollygagging around and giving us a little uh, piece of bread here. And let's, let's do some things to get this stuff fixed. Let's talk a little Supreme Court, y'all. Katanji Brown Jackson, Lori and Jeff, she made it through. Now, some would say this is inconsequential because it doesn't shift the balance of the court. Uh, Breyer is still there. He hasn't retired yet, but presumably uh, in a few months he will retire. And rather than waiting like we did with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who sadly passed away before uh, an election, uh, she's going to easily slip into that seat. It was a 53 to 47 vote. And uh, here was the moment as it played out in the Senate. Stand by. On this vote, the A's are 53. The nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed. Now, I wonder if there are any uh, Republicans standing and cheering uh, right now. But look, look at the look at what you're about to see. Uh, so. I don't know who those guys are right there. Audience, I know you can't see this, but I wonder if those are Democrats who supported this nomination. They you are guys walking out. They're walking out. They're bailing out. I, I guess they're not too happy about this. But nevertheless, the first African-American woman will be headed to the Supreme Court. Lori, Jeff, what are your thoughts? Let's start with Lori. I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled. So happy. Hmm. As a black woman, it just makes me so happy, so proud. It's about time. And I think that she's going to bring, you know, again, and I realize that her, her vote is outnumbered at this point, but she's going to be able to bring a perspective and views that cannot be shared by, that cannot be experienced by anybody else on that, on that Supreme Court. So 
um, I think it's it's so powerful and so important. And it's again, we're just we're, we're we are breaking barriers. We are making differences. Now, you know, I don't know how many more we're going to have of, of powerful Black women rising to. To, to places where they've never been before. But mm -hmm. just seeing this is so encouraging to me and, and it makes me so happy. And, you know, the words of Cory Booker when he was talking to her and the mm -hmm. things he was saying, you know, about what she had to endure and overcome just to get to the point where she was now to even be considered for the role, you know, just acknowledging all that she has had to go through and experience that has not been easy. She has defied all all odds, because when you when you when you're born into this world as a minority, period, you know mm. you you have things stacked against you. You have to work that much harder, prove yourself that much more. And when you are a black woman, mm -hmm. I mean, how you have to prove yourself every minute of every day to get anywhere. And so the fact that she has has gotten to where she is and that she's now nominated and 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 or, or confirmed rather. I'm going to be on the Supreme Court is just happy to me. I, I was clapping in, you know, here as I was clapping along with the um, with the senators who are applauding her, mm -hmm. her confirmation. It was very, very powerful. Powerful moment. Jeffrey Kelly, they threw everything at her. They were like, so what is a woman? Uh, are you sure you're qualified for this job? As, as all nominees go through a level of scrutiny with this process. But nevertheless, Jeffrey Keller, Katanji Brown Jackson gets the seat. Good brother. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I thought she did a great job. I'm, I'm glad she got in. I mean, I love when any black person can can make it, uh, male or female. I mean, there's only been two uh, black men to sit on the Supreme Court. Mm. So let's not let's not lose that stat either. There's so only, there's only two. Yes. Yep. So now there's only now there's only been three black uh, people sit right. on the Supreme Court, right? right? And so what I what I love about the whole thing is anytime a minority is uh, put on the Supreme Court. I love it because they are going to be changing laws in the Constitution that was written by white men of uh, power who didn't include minorities as even being in the Constitution. All right. One, I agree, good brother. Uh, one of the two you're talking about, of course, is Thurgood Marshall. Yes. And uh, he was succeeded by the current occupant of his seat, Clarence Thomas. Yes. Um, Remember, the vote was 53-47. Guess who didn't vote for her? Um, out of South Carolina, Tim Scott. Oh, and he did it, and he did it fanatically. He, 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 let him, he said, no. No. He put his thumb up, didn't he? Like, like what's wow. his name from Arizona? Yeah, game? like McLean. Right, <laughs> like right, right. John McCain. Yep. McCain did it. Yeah. Like, I, didn't see, I didn't see the clip when he voted no, but I just saw the story. So he enthusiastically, he's a brother. He's a senator, ladies and gentlemen, out of South Carolina, Tim Scott. And he's the only African-American in the Republican Party in the Senate, I believe. I'm pretty sure that's true. Yep. Um, yep, yep. They're trying to get Herschel Walker uh, oh my God! To, to, if he beats Raphael Warnock in this uh, midterm, so get out and vote, y'all. We don't need. I mean, no, no disrespect to the NFL, but we do not need this cat. We don't need this cat. But Tim Scott voted down the first. I mean, see, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, how are you gonna just defy history and just say, nope, I cannot in good conscience vote for this black woman as a black man, um, because I'm a Republican first. I mean, I, I just don't get that. Dude, I mean, he, I he, he, I'll tell you why, because he's like Samuel Jackson in, in Django. He, he's, oh, man, he's, he's, Django. he's the house. You didn't Negro. see Django? <laughs> I didn't see Django. 
He, oh, you gotta see it. It's he, hard he, to watch. But. but see, that's why I can't watch it. It's it's trauma porn. I, I kind of know. I mean, I used to like Quentin Tarantino during the Pulp Fiction days. But what what was he like in Django, uh, Jeff? He was he was the house Negro. Oh, okay. And whatever Master said, that's what he did. Oh, Weez? And that's that's Tim Scott. So they're like, Weez not, we're not voting for him. Okay, Weez not voting for him. Weez not so, voting for him. Yeah, then that's 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 Tim Scott in a nutshell. That's you know, he's yeah. a good old Southern boy. And you know, let's be real. A lot of a lot of those guys were brought up in the South. They used to white folks telling them what to do. Yeah, very true. Continue doing it. Yeah, well, she's in. I mean, better late than never. Um, Roland Martin, the commentator, Roland Martin said this should have happened years ago when Merrick Garland was put up there. He was 64 years old to be put mm -hmm. on the Supreme Court. That was not a smart pick by Barack Obama. He did it because he thought a lot of Republicans would vote for him. But even back then in 2016, Roland Martin was saying he should have picked Katanji back then because she was related to Paul Ryan, who at the time was the Republican Speaker of the House because she's married to his brother-in-law's brother or something it's like they're twice removed by you know marriage or whatever but she's related to paul ryan and so they would have had to talk about all of her credentials in lieu of being the first african-american woman considered for this seat and then they gotta you know deal with the prospect i mean it wouldn't have made a difference they still would have voted her down but it just would have created an interesting contrast if she had been put up back then as opposed to now but nevertheless kataji brown jackson is confirmed to the Supreme Court. Well, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bum School. My name is DJ Rome. Oh man, it's been such a long time. I really miss these folks. We're talking to our good friends, Mr. Jeffrey Keller and the incredible Lori Peacock. They're helping me break down to its final compound, the week, the month, the half a year, the quarter of a year in politics. Oh my God, but there has been no story greater. Oh my God, y'all know where I'm going with this, right? What in the world happened a few weeks ago? Uh, man, they call it the slap hurt around the world. I'm not even going to uh, relive that moment. But since that time, uh, just for the sake of commentary, Will Smith, uh, during the night of the Oscars, the biggest night of his life, and they call it that, ladies and gentlemen, because he was up for the biggest award of the night, Best Actor, Okay, which ultimately he did win. But during the course of uh, presentation for an award for uh, one that Mr. Questlove actually won, the drummer for The Roots for his Summer of Love uh, documentary. Uh, he told a joke uh, referring to Jada Pinkett Smith as uh, uh, looking forward to seeing her in G.I. Jane 2. Um, Will Smith, of course, then went up on stage and proceeded to give Chris Rock one. All right, right across the face. And so since that time, uh, there's been an incredible fallout. Uh, Will Smith has resigned from the Academy. And uh, Friday, just a few days ago, prior to this uh, airing right here, uh, the Oscars banned him for 10 years. Uh, did they go far enough? Was that appropriate? I haven't, haven't had a chance to get Lori and Jeff's take on any of this. So I want to talk about this. Uh, Lori, I'm actually going to go to Jeff first on this just for uh, comedic deference here. Uh, Jeff, as a comedian, uh, I've been eager to get your thoughts on all of this, man. Where do you stand with all this? Man, when I saw him walk on stage and slap Will and slap sit Chris. back there, slap Chris, slap, Chris. slap Chris, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh -huh. I thought to myself, damn, Will think he white. 
And then when the security didn't take them out, I said, dang, well, it must be white. You must be white. <laughs> they let them stay. Right. <laughs> what right. the hell? Uh-huh. Um, there's so many levels to this. I mean, he needs therapy. I mean, J- Jada said to him, uh, you're going to let him get away with this. And so for her to throw him under the bus and say, do you we know, know what? She said, that? she said that? Yeah. Yeah. How do we know that? Because a friend of mine who works for the Academy, they, they got the video and she said, you're going to let them get away with that. Oh, yes. That, that's a new one. That's yes. One. Yes. And so for her to sit there and go, well, I can stand up for myself. Mm. Um, then why did you throw him that dagger look? Mm. That look that said, you better do something also. Um, earlier wow. in the podcast, uh, one of the hosts said, uh, when they're bringing the men on stage, said, well, it's okay to come on stage. We got permission from Jada. And I didn't see Jada go on stage and protect protect him. I mean, you know, it's there's so many levels to this. There really is. And he's been, and this thing is people don't understand, Will's hard to work with. And okay. that's why they're pulling putting a lot of stuff on hold because those producers are going, good, we don't have to work with him now? Awesome. Mm. Let's get somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're just waiting for a moment so they can pull out of stuff with Will. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, Will slapped himself out of uh, millions of dollars. And then Chris is going to sue. And so, you know, whatever Chris asked for, he's going to get. Man. Okay, Lori, stand by, because I definitely, because like he said, Lori, there's so many levels to this. So, Lori, come, stand by. I'm going to come to you in a second. But, Jeff, just as the safety of comedians nowadays, when this first happened, you know, you've been working a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did that do to the, the sense of, you know, comedic uh, respect and that, you know, your profession is predicated upon uh, being raw and being insulting and keeping it real? Uh, any sense uh, in the comedic community that they feel more under siege or threatened now than before? No, I mean that's violence is not what what we're worried about. It's the First Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. Is, is what comedians are, are afraid of. Um, but I get up there, I, I, I take care of it because because at one point in my act, I say, "Counsel me, make me famous." Um, mm. So I, I take away all that in my act. You know, so now that they won't do it because you tell them to do it. Um, but the First Amendment right is more is what we're afraid of than somebody coming on stage and, and slap. Come on, man. That's that was that was ego. That that was that was red table. I was embarrassed at the red table. Uh oh. Embarrassed at, 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 at what, what they said to me at the Academy Awards about uh it's okay for me to come on stage. Mm-hmm. And then my wife has been controlling stuff for so long. And, and I'm stuck. And he, he, let's be real. She controlling with. Yeah, that's. I don't. Question. I don't know that that's fair to say. I don't know that that's fair to say. And I don't understand why there's all this hate towards Jada for throwing a look at her husband for being disrespected by somebody on stage. I am. Did not you see the red table? Smith. Did you see the red table? No. no. Well, then go watch the red table before you even comment on this. Red table. Watch the red table with Which, Will. August. With Will. Which one? With Will, watch the red table. The one where Will's on it. Yes. Okay, so tell me what happened on there, so that I can understand before I watch it. So well, there's so many labels. Let me just say that that she is one of those people that control. He put on a 40th and her 50th anniversary party. Uh, he brought in 
he brought in Mary J. Blige, put on this big old thing for her to make her happy. To, to You know what she told him? This was all about your ego. It wasn't about me. Mm. I mean, it's stuff, it's things like where, where she is the person that's, she like, for some reason, likes to bring him down, likes to control stuff. When she slept with, with the, their, their son's friend. August Alcina. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Will brought that up. And she was trying to be like, well, we weren't really, I mean, it's, it's, you have to see, and, and you'll get the dynamics of who she is just at that red table. I, I mean, I, I've seen her, I've seen episodes of it. I no, no, I'm talking about the one with it. her and Will. The one with her right. and Will is so telling. Right, but, but that's about them, right? And that's their relationship and that's what they want to do with behind closed doors or in front of the world, but that's what they want to do too. That's on them. But what I'm saying is if a, if a woman is disrespected and, and, and wants her husband to stand up for her, I'm not saying he needs to go slap the crap out of somebody. But I, I mean, I, and Fran, granted, I would be able to stand up for myself. I think Jada can stand up for herself, too. How but it would also be nice to have your man. Tell me it would also be nice to have your man. It would also be nice to have your man stand up and say, hey, man, that's not cool. Now, I don't I, you know, but the violence, I'm not condoning that. But um. You know, the woman, I, I'm a short haired woman and I don't appreciate jokes about, you know, having short hair and making you in the, in the military. It's a rude joke. I take, I took personally took offense to it. I can see why she took offense to it. Now, you know, I'm, I like Chris Rock and I probably like Chris Rock more than I like Will Smith prior to this um, event. I'm just saying like, why are we putting this on Jada? She didn't go up and smack him. You Mr. know, like, I feel like that's not fair. Mr. Keller. The, the look, she knows she's control. Look at Ricky Gervais goes up there and says worse, a hundred times worse. Nobody's went up and slapped him. G.I. Jane was a light joke. It wasn't even a serious joke. He wouldn't talk about her weight or how she looks. That whole thing. Right. He just, well, I, was, let me finish. Let me finish. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that bad. Will laughed. Jada shot him knives and daggers and said, you're going to let him get away with that. So like I said, it's so many levels to their relationship. Should he have did it? No. But when it's like telling a person that's on drugs, don't, don't go break into that house. Well, he should have broken that house. Of course, he wasn't in his right mind. When a woman is attacked by a man, verbally, physically, whatever, it is the most impotent feeling that you can ever have. You feel completely helpless because one, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're, 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 they're just going to, they're physically more capable of doing something to you. And whether it's right. a physical assault or a verbal that. assault, it I can really that. take its toll on you. Do you know because that. because yes, it was it was it's wrong as for a man to have verbally assault attack. I'm a not woman. personalizing it. That's the difference. I'm not personalizing it. I'm looking at the content of where it happened in the situation that it was in. In the situation that it is in for years in the Academy Wars and that Comedians have come out and talk about the people in the audience. Mm -hmm. Lori, this how is nothing new. Yeah, Lori, how surprising is it to you that there is, uh, in addition to Will and Chris, just between what happened between the two of them, how surprising is it or has it been to you that there has been uh, such a level of vitriol also for Jada Pinkett Smith? Well, this is, this is, this is where I'm getting really kind of defensive and, and upset because why is there so much negativity and, and, and being directed at her from this incident? You know, like, 
if someone says something rude to me, heck yeah, or about to me, he said it directly to her. Someone says something rude to me in my face and I don't like it. I'm going to make a face. I'm going to make that face to my partner if he's there with me. And I would appreciate if he would tell that SOB, write the F off. Now, I think the words he said, keep my, keep, keep my wife's name out of your mouth, could have sufficed. He didn't have to go up and slap him. But I absolutely, I, I, I mean, I, there's the hatred towards Jada and whether it's justified or, or not, I don't get it. Like she didn't, you know, I would, I would be feel the same way. If that happened to me, I would expect my partner to stand up for me. Yeah, and I hear you. And I think um, the August Alcina thing is huge in um, where this is or where this has gone because people remember that Red Table Talk and they remember uh, the meme. And Lori, even if you haven't seen the video, there's a meme of Will Smith uh, fighting back tears. And it, he didn't actually break down and cry in the video, but people say that it looks like he's about to cry as he was listening to Jada describe what she called an entanglement with August Alsina, who was, uh, they've speculated that he was a family friend. Most people uh, have accepted the narrative that it was Jaden's friend, their son, that uh, they came, uh, they, that's how he came into the, the family purview. And mm -hmm. she had an affair with him. You know, the, her, the, you know what, whatever the dynamic is that you believe, uh, she had what she called an entanglement, and that whole thing was trending a few years ago. And so people, uh, they remember how she spoke about that issue with Will at the red table and how she did it in such a way where she really tried to, to justify it. She really tried to uh, rationalize it away. She said, I just wanted to feel good. It had been so long since I felt good. And you could just see the spirit and Will Smith just sink. Because people say, well, they are in a quote unquote open relationship, which, you know, not necessarily confirmed per se, but uh, Lori and Jeff, I want to hear from you too. The, the, the idea is that maybe they're both tiptoeing on, on each other, but Will Smith has kept his business out of, away from the red table, if you will. Whereas Jada has not been as careful with protecting Will's ego but what I'm saying is there's two sides to every story and to just look at her as being a puppet master and a manipulator and all of those things, you know, and that she pushed him to go up and do that is, is just not fair. It's not fair to her. And she's right. a struggling black, you know, she's a black woman who's been struggling her whole life trying to make, you know, do what she's doing and she's made a success of herself, but it hasn't been easy. And I don't know. I just, she, she has not been struggling. Okay. Since so she's been with Will, she has not been struggling. Let's, let's, let's financially, she has not been struggling. That doesn't she has mean not she been hasn't struggling been struggling in any other ways. Right. No, I'll give you that. But the other part of this is this. Remember, the Red Table is her show. She convinced mm -hmm. him to come on her show. She's the one to put it out there on her show to try to make it look like she was doing nothing wrong. What role does Will have in that, Jeff? If he's, because a lot of people feel sorry for will now Lori. honestly there is a contingent of people that are like like tiffany haddish another comedian jeffrey keller she was like yeah it was one of the best nights i've ever seen i, mean, I love seeing black men stand up for their black women and there's this this thing where uh i lost my train of thought <laughs> but you you know where i'm going with this is is will somehow complicit in this if he agreed to go to the red table right uh, what 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 role or uh culpability does will smith have in that jeffrey keller but remember watching the red table, he was sabotaging some of the stuff she was saying. 
it was like she told him something and came back with something different. Because mm-hmm. he's the one who had to go. No, it was an entanglement. He, I mean, you got to watch yeah. it. It's, there's yeah, so many yeah. levels to it. There's so many. It's so many levels to it. There is. Um, and, but, but if we want to talk about Will, I mean, Will still hasn't taken responsibility. He's never really apologized to Chris. Right. Right. And, and then he's talking about Denzel said, well, when you hear the devil, blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't understand. It sounded like Denzel was talking about you, the devil in this situation. Mm. And he's he's yeah, taking a lot. He took it like it was the other way around. It's like, no, he's talking about you, young man. Talking about you. Talking about so you. Will had. And then he then he threw the then he threw the Williams, uh, 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 Mr. Yeah. Williams under the bus. Yes. I mean. So he's never taken responsibility for what he did. He he blaming everybody else but himself. Uh, Lori Peacock and Jeffrey Keller have been our guests. Lori and Jeff, I cannot thank y'all enough for being here. Uh, Lori, I know you're doing your thing in education, but uh, you're amazing and you know you're always welcome here. Mr. Keller, you have been a worker bee. You've been working. I've been seeing all kind of photos with you with this and that and at the comedy store and celebrating the 50th anniversary of the comedy store. You've been working, good brother. Uh, anything we need to know about your upcoming shows or endeavors, Mr. Keller? Man, uh, I'll be at the Comedy Chateau Saturday at 10 o'clock. They're getting ready to do a night for me where I just uh, Keller at midnight. And I'm just talking about politics on stage. Um, we, we, yeah, we just got money to shoot the uh, Shig Knight movie called Stranded. Um, so, there, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. Well, between that, Katanji Brown Jackson, Trump, Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, I think we've covered the gamut, y'all. Thank you so much for being here. And I want to welcome y'all back to come on back anytime you like. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was Lori Peacock and the good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody. This is Bunny Hearts, and you're listening to DJ Rome on Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. Okay, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com. This program is called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, I am extremely delighted to welcome this next guest. She and I go way back. We've had a long, a hiatus between speaking, but she has never been far from heart and mind. This good sister is a veteran of the music business. She's an OG. It's a trip, isn't it? Uh, (laughs) That we're like OGs for how long we've been in this field now, but she has uh, got to be over 20 years of experience uh, in music and she is a music attorney. And uh, all of this stems from her just original talent that she's cultivated over the years from being a singer and MC in her own right. She's had some stellar, legendary collaborations, and we're going to be talking about that with some hip hop artists that you are quite familiar with. And she's opened her private practice in uh, entertainment law way back in 2010, and uh, she practices in uh, the beautiful state of Georgia. Uh, we met, of course, in California, but this sister is uh, near and dear to Uh, the heart and soul of what we call the underground soul movement and music in general. She has some amazing insights to share with us, and it is my honor to bring her here to this episode. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, Miss Stacey Epps. Stacey, are you there? Hey, how are you? Oh, we are cool and the gang out here with our little daylight savings 
uh, at, at the time of this conversation, we still got a little sunlight out here. It's been raining real hard up here today, but I know y'all are well into your nighttime where you are right now, right? Oh, yeah, it's dark. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to Psychotic Bump School. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time because you have had quite an eclectic career. I mean, how fair is it to describe the career of Stacey Epps as anything other than eclectic? Is that fair? That's, that is fair. <laughs> it's fair, right? It's like, Definitely. I'm just thinking about what because when i you and i met in like oh five right and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about where my life was at the time when i was living in la uh man just just thinking about that there's just so many memories that come up between present day and back then uh what do you recall about mm -hmm. your earliest forays into just music because i, I want to talk about your your creative work i want to talk about your legal work and how you're putting all of this into practice to help artists in uh, today's uh, music scene. But talk to us a little bit about how did this spark even develop in you? Is this something that's or organic and in the DNA from the, the, the generational bloodline that you stem from? How did you become mm -hmm. such an eclectic artist uh, first beginning with your music? How did this all come together for you? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because my great grandfather uh, was a musician. He sang and played the banjo. And he had a band um, in the teens, 1910s. Uh, mm -hmm. And they would play on steamships in China. So my, my grandfather yeah. was like worldwide, you know, when he was young. So that's, I think that's my main link, you know, my grandfather. And, you know, I just always, always loved music, starting with, of course, everybody singing in the shower, singing all the time, my parents, getting on my parents' nerves, I'm saying, be quiet. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. every time I heard a song, I like I had to sing it loud, like in the car and stuff, wow. <laughs> my headphones. So, you know, I just remember them being like, stop saying all that. So you didn't, but, you didn't uh, stop when they said stop. So you were a, a rebellious young singer? <laughs> I was, yeah. I've always been rebellious. I never wow. didn't listen often um, oh, wow. to what anyone would say. Yeah, I wanted to just figure it out myself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which isn't always the best way. But I mean, if somebody tells me no, it's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, no. Like, no. Okay. Let's see how that goes. So, so was, that's just that's yeah. just you, huh? Was grandpa's like that yeah. too? Um. Yeah. My grandfather. Um. Uh, my mom's dad was definitely um like a pioneer. He would always say, "If it wasn't for football, you wouldn't be alive." Mm. Uh, because he met. He was in the special forces in the army, uh, but he played football back then. Uh, back when they wore the like leather helmets nice. <laughs> like so basically me they had no protection uh -huh. but he met my grandmother in japan um in the rice bowl the army was playing the navy and um so he always says if it wasn't for football and then he went on and uh worked for the nfl was scouting and then went on to be the commissioner of the ciaa and he was always just very outspoken um for rights and and everything like that so definitely and then my grandmother who was in japan during the war extremely strong woman <laughs> like 
Mm-hmm. And um, I think I get a lot from that. And even like my grandfather's mom, like she was a, a teacher back in uh, the 20s, you know? And so just a lot of um, like activism and just strong people, which yeah. came to me, um, which was, you know, made me strong, but it was tough on my parents right and uh yeah and it's funny because my kids are very strong minded and Mm. my parents always laugh at me because they're just like payback and i'm just like stop (laughs) they're like got her we got her back y'all we got her back so yeah for sure i mean just um you know always just been very strong and and what i wanted to do and um you know, no matter what, like if I wanted to do it, I'll, I was going to make it happen. So, but I didn't really start like as far as performing music until college. I would like, you know, freestyle, play around in high school, but in college is when I really started to like do kind of music and perform a little bit at, you know, the college open mics and mm-hmm. start recording and stuff like that. Um, and then moved to Atlanta after I graduated and uh hooked up with science of life um ah, with little sigh and there ID you go. And, mm-hmm, and they essentially like showed me everything about recording how to record so like how to record yourself everything so mm-hmm. yep i was on their first album their first the first album i was on over there i think was project overground i think Okay. Um, and then from there, they would just like link me. So that's how I met Doom. And then, you know, Doom was in the car. We were Sai, and he was playing some tracks for Mad Lib, who at that time I didn't even know, really know who he was. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my God, like heard this one beat. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, he's like, he's like, and Doom was like, you want to do something to it? I was like, yes. He was like, all right. So he gave okay. me the beat. Ladies and gentlemen, you, you cannot appreciate what she just said. She just said a lot. There was a lot of history in what she just said. So let's start with Science of Life. That's our good brother, John Robinson, right? Right, John Robinson. Now that's right, I'm always, always call him side, but yeah, John Yeah, Robinson. John Robinson, uh, King JR. You guys uh, had a chance to hear from him a few months ago. He was a guest on the show, good friend of the show and uh just a just a giant in the scene so you you hooked up with him and through him ladies and gentlemen she said doom that's how uh she's on a a one name basis with the brother the rest of the world calls him mf doom (laughs) so you met him so and then i mean you didn't stop there and then she met another prolific figure in the world of hip-hop a giant amongst us all these all three of these cats are giants to us well i didn't meet him yet you he had to met, beats. Met, oh, you no. played beats by Mad Lib. He was Doom was in the car playing beats that he got from Mad Lib, and I was like, I picked a beat I like, and mm-hmm. I mean, I was not, and he was just like, you want to do something to it? I didn't know anything, but I was just like, this beat's dope. I want to, you know, and I was like, sure, and so I went in the studio, like not even really a studio, like at. Uh, our friend's apartment where they had like a little setup and mm-hmm. I literally recorded myself. I freestyled the song out um, and sent it to Doom and he was like, dope, dope. And that was it. 
And then I didn't hear it till like months later, like, oh, it made the album. <laughs> so wow. this was I on Mad Villain. <laughs> MF Doom, 
for the audience that is, you know, I'm sure somewhat familiar with the story at this point, uh, was one half of a group called KMD back in the day, reinvented himself through a lot of uh, life experiences, uh, resurfaced as MF Doom and became one of the dopest MCs ever. He was dope back then too, but he just had such a, made such an imprint on the, the world of hip hop and what we love to refer to as underground hip hop. Uh, it's not even really fair to really compartmentalize him like that because he was a, such a stylist. He was a vocal stylist. What can you tell us about the kind of artist that MF Doom was having spent time with him and his family, seeing him up close like that, uh, traveling with him, being in the studio with him. What was that like? Um, it's so funny. One of the earliest memories I have of going to his house because he lived in, you know, Georgia um, and he had a basement. And I remember all these post-it notes on the wall with different lines and so he said sometimes he'll just grab like different post-it notes and just put together a verse and wow. it that's how he would have like those like crazy lines and because each post-it had like crazy line on it oh wow and then you know what i mean and then he would just be like okay this this <laughs> he yeah. was like truly you know a next level genius like yeah true and um it's interesting the last time i seen him he brought us all out to where he was um and in the islands and um we share uh birthdays are close together in july mm -hmm. and and now and he showed me the house and i was like we got to start working on your book he was like yeah for sure because he would have you know and uh and we just were all hanging out and he just had everybody out and that was the last couple songs wow and, uh, yeah but i just have such he always just took care of people no matter what, like every time if I just came out and did a show or came out, I just came out to do I real quick, he'll be like, make sure he gives me like a couple hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Like he never like allowed anyone to, like he always made sure people were like taken care of. Like, mm. you know, that was like his, his thing. Like, yeah, well, because sure you, you, you mentioned I, that of course that was a collaboration you did with him on the Mad Villain album, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yes, yes. So how many times would you say you performed that over the, you know, throughout the world with him on stage? Uh, well, I've only really performed, I haven't performed out with him around the world, only in LA during that time. So wow. um, probably a few times, a handful of times, but I really remember I, the show. I really remember. And I don't, I'm wondering if that was the Mad Villain release party at the Music Box Theater. Do you remember that? Show? Music box. Mm. Yeah, that was like downtown. Um, was it called the music box? It was kind of oh. like a big, bigger venue. Okay. Okay. I do vaguely you remember, remember that one. I vaguely remember the, the venue called the music box, but do you was there a particular promoter that was putting that on? Oh, I wouldn't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I think I remember the music box as a venue, yeah. The Fonda, what's the name? Fonda Theater now. I wonder did it used to be. Oh, Honda Theater. That's what it is now? 
Yeah, it's Fonda Theater. Oh, Fonda. Now. Oh, okay. Henry Fonda. Henry Theater, Fonda. But it used to be. Yeah, but it used to be. It said the music box. Oh wow. Okay. So you had Normally a chance to perform. music box theater. Yep, that's it. Oh, that's it, nicer huh? Nicer now. Wow. Yeah, that was a, a legendary night. I remember that night. Yeah. Everybody well, was there. Oh yeah, like who? I mean, Dilla was there. The whole, you know, everybody in Madlib camp, all like Jack mm-hmm. Wildchild, mm-hmm. MD, J Rock. Wow. Doom. All of them. Sam, yeah. Some uh, slum was there. Slum Village out of Detroit. Absolutely. Yeah. One of uh, that was one of Dilla's first groups. I love Slum Village to this day. To this day. Yeah, I got to do. I got to record with. um, Oh my God! Not T three, but rest in peace. Um, out of Detroit too. Yeah, you know the other the other members. Oh, why am I drawing a blank? It's one of my favorite groups, and I'm like, what? Uh. Oh, you're supposed to pick pick up from me. I know T three. Bottom, bottom. There you go. Rest in peace. But yeah, like peace. I got to record yes. with him in Detroit, and that was really cool. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. You've worked with yeah. some heavyweights. So with Doom, I mean, people never saw him out of character. He always had literally his game face on, and you know, I'm just wondering how reclusive he was. Was he? Was he? Was he a shy cat? You know, when you would interact with him, was he? Uh, for, no, not at all. He ain't shy at all. Not shy at all. No. Wow. Yeah, because you know, some people would, you know, perhaps view. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, for those that don't know MF Doom, he 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 wore a mask all the time, and I'm assuming, no matter who he was around, you know, that's how he got around. That's how he got down, and it became such a a, a trademark of his that. You know, you could just put his mask on the cover of an album and you, you just know what to expect. You know, you, you just know how he's going to rock with it. So it, it so I guess what I'm saying, it didn't it didn't foreshadow any aloofness. I mean, he was always a down to earth cat, you know, when when you would be around him and particularly if he uh, shared so much of himself with you. So that sounds like it was a pretty smooth, easy transition for you. To, to get to know him, right? Yeah, um, but business-wise, I would deal most because his wife managed him for a long time. Oh, okay. So I worked very closely, like super close with her. Wow. With his wife, yeah. Well, he when because when the world found out that he had passed, uh, apparently he had you know transitioned you know sometime earlier than that. How surprising was that news for you? Oh, yeah, <laughs> very. I can only Definitely. imagine mm-hmm. because, I mean, when the, I saw it on Twitter first, probably, and 2020 had already been, you know, a, just a horrible year. And people were saying, man, 2020, you, you just couldn't let us get out of here without kicking us in the gut one last time. Mm-hmm. 2020, mm-hmm. It, I mean, 
it, it was a gut punch, you know, in the world of hip hop. And so it, it didn't seem like the mo most of the world, I mean, I certainly didn't expect it. And um, wow. So in his, um, in his current form now, uh, Stacy, I know you're, you're still managing uh, his affairs. Uh, I can only imagine, I don't know if you could put it into words. What does it mean to you now, the close friendship that you have with him and to be able to represent his interests and his family's interests right now? How meaningful is that to you? Um, extremely, because it's, it's just like family, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's um, supporting and, you know, because you just know you're dealing with emotions and mm. all of that. So it's just like really making sure, you know, it, it's it's tough, just tough, you know? Man. But, it, you know, yeah. Man. Well, um, I'm going to keep you in prayer for sure, sis, because uh, we had another sister on here, um, Elian Henry. She's actually directing uh, the upcoming release. I got to talk to her again to see if she actually got it out. She was real close to finishing the documentary on the late, great uh, trumpeter Roy Hargrove. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was kind of the same thing. I mean, they were friends forever. And she started filming this when he was still here with us. And then of course, Roy transition and in his transition, it, you know, it, it's, that's her life calling now to make sure the, the, the project continues, his legacy continues and that project gets done. And so I, you know, it, it's hard not to think about you when I think about her now, just knowing that the, the work that you're doing now is, is so needed you know, and, you know, not just any artist in particular, but particularly for, like you said, this is family to you. And so knowing how important it is to carry on those legacies. So can we talk about that in terms of a business sense? What is it about what you're able to offer the family, offer entertainers and artists in general with what you do in the world of uh, entertainment law? Um, are you are you called an entertainment lawyer, music attorney? What, what's the preferred moniker for, for what you do? Um, it's all around. Some it's people interchangeable. Say entertainment. Yeah, entertainment is more um, general when it includes like a lot more film. Oh, okay. um, and you know, like you kind of do all of them. I do a little bit of film, but I'm mostly in music. Okay. Um, that's all been my focus is music. So I work with a lot of music producers. Mm -hmm. um, mostly music producers. I do work with some artists too, but it seems that produce, you know, dealing with working with producers has been like a niche for me. And I enjoy working with producers as well. Um, but yeah, like artists, songwriters, labels, managers, um, mm -hmm. helping people establish a strong foundation for their business. Uh, to protect their intellectual property mm. and really understand and ensure that they have that er, their assets are protected because this is something that goes from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's really, you know, my focus and just ensuring that people's order and that people are getting fair you know just 
treated fairly because especially when you're like you know new in the game everyone wants to try to take advantage of you so Mm -hmm. i spent um five years teaching music business at the art institute of atlanta so i really enjoy like sharing uh information and knowledge so i used to tell my students i teach you how things are so you can change them and make them better mm-hmm. are there some uh prints without giving away the uh, the crux of your course uh are there one or two uh just common uh tips that you offer like pitfalls to watch out for whether you are a new artist an established artist or someone somewhere in between what are one or two things that someone like you could most inform a new or established artist about in terms of protecting their their resources um yeah don't ever let anybody rush you if people are rushing you (laughs) to do something um that's a red flag um and always like build relationships with attorneys and and get paperwork done before things get busy so don't feel like oh it's nothing going on now I don't need to have everything in order I'll do a management agreement once I blow up no do everything before while there's no money because when money comes around that's when people change and act funny Mm. and that is that's damn near proven once someone gets a million dollars they literally don't know how to act it's crazy like I've seen it Mm. multiple times like it's so weird like Mm -hmm. a million and up it's like hmm. and it's not everyone but a good number of people kind Mm. of start tripping or acting different when once they get a good amount of money like huh right now yeah if an artist has been you know quote unquote taken advantage of and they call you uh the issues usually surround are centered around they've probably what signed something away signed the rights away to some you know songwriting royalties maybe or some some back-end stuff what what if someone gets in trouble and they call you what what's typically one or two reasons why they would call you yeah they signed a contract that is not fair or they want to get out of a contract that they signed Mm. or and these are problems i don't you know Honestly, mostly don't deal with that stuff. That's more of like a litigator side who Mm -hmm. would, you know, institute the lawsuit. But Mm -hmm. for me, um, you know, those are the kind of issues or someone just puts out their music without permission, which is the most common. Like releasing, like especially producers, people just taking their beats um, Mm -hmm. and putting them on songs and just putting them out. Oh wow! Can so, you copy? Can you copyright a beat? Yeah, for sure. You can copyright a beat, mm-hmm. and you need to register. So every just in general, copyright protection is automatic. So as soon as your work is fixed, it's protected. It's copywritten. Mm-hmm. So when I say fixed, that means written down, recorded in some type of tangible medium of expression, and you have a valid copyright. However, you can't sue anyone on a copyright unless you have it registered with copyright.gov. So mm. 
that's why people want to register their copyrights. Um, and you want to register your copyright before infringement, because if you register it after, you're kind of limited in your damages. You can't get statutory damages. You can only get actual damages. Actual damages mean you have to prove <laughs> how much money you lost or how much they made. Statutory damages, which means set by statute, are between seven fifty to 30000 per infringement. So Ooh. you see it's much higher that you can get. But if you say find out somebody infringed on your work and then you go hurry up and register, you're limited at that point and you can't get a terms fees. Oh, so wow. it's always uh, beneficial to go ahead and register your copyrights. Yeah, definitely. A um, couple of cases just came to mind since we're into the business side of it. But let me do this real quick. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome. We're talking to our good sister, Miss Stacy Epps. MC, songwriter, uh, music attorney, entrepreneur, businesswoman, the good sister does it all. She's breaking down her life and career. And uh, particularly now as we're talking about the business aspect of what she does in entertainment law, uh, fascinating stuff here. Anyone aspiring to get into the music business, you might want to be jotting some of this stuff down. We're going to definitely put you in touch with Stacey up so that if you have any questions after this, you can definitely reach out to her. But since we're into the business aspect of the conversation now, uh, three cases uh, just kind of popped into mind. Two of them I kind of talked to you about off air, but one just popped into my head when you were talking about copyright. And this may be a little bit of a departure from what you're talking about. But during that whole uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, uh, you know, the you know, that that period in 2020 COVID was, you know, wrecking shop and everything was shut down. And a lot of people were suddenly very, very conscious about their 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 brands. And so there's this rock group or country group that was called Lady Antebellum. And they decided, well, Antebellum has always been a very controversial triggering term. And they knew that, but for years they used that term. So they decided to change their name from Lady Antebellum to Lady A. Now, it just so happens that there's a sister, I think, in Seattle, Washington. She's been recording under the name Lady A forever. And they mm. tried to come into a deal to where she would either drop her name or agree to do a collaborative song so that they could just gently kind of sweep the name Lady A from her. Because Lady Lady Antebellum has sold millions of records, but Lady A is a local independent artist. So here, here we. This is where I'm going. So, um, do you often see independent artists getting punked by <laughs> more established entities that have more sway and swagger with the industry, and that they kind of can, you know, exert their influence upon someone that is maybe less protected or just has a lower profile, but have clearly demonstrated that they've been using a certain name for a long period of time. Because you talked about when something's fixed, This, if I heard you correctly, you said if something's fixed. Well, you're, 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 okay. So for number one, you're talking about trademarks with when you're oh, talking okay. about names. So when we talk about copyrights, we're talking about work of authorship. So those okay. are songs, books, art, film, choreographic works, architectural works. So copyright, and this is very common, 
um, mm. that people kind of confuse copyrights and trademarks. Mm -hmm. So copyrights are works, trademarks are actual um, brands, logos, names of companies that identify the source of a product or service. Mm -hmm. So a band name would be a trademark, right? Identifying the source of those services, performance services or recording mm -hmm. services, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole nother type of law. I mean, that I work in. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so in those instances, generally, I'm not sure where it went, but I'm sure they were able to pay that person enough money mm -hmm. to where it just made sense for her to change her name. Yeah. Like if they could like, like if you have only made, you know, your whole career 50,000 and they could just hit you 200,000, okay, can you mm. take his name? Some people may just take the money, you know, right. or, you know, if she had it, but, you know, the thing is, is, is when it's time to register the name, right? So mm. if she had a registration for the name, a valid registration, they would not be able to use it because she would be able to stop them from using it. Mm. If she didn't have a valid registration, then she would have common law protection in the areas that she used the name. Okay. However, it's hard. It's a bit harder to prove that. And then, you know, so that's so why it's always good to register your, you know, the source mm -hmm. of your product or service, your band name, your company name, because you don't want anyone else to be able to use it. And it's a harder fight when you don't have a registration. It's not impossible, but it's a bit of a harder fight. Absolutely. And you're going to spend money. You know what I mean? And then, so the thing is, is you're, if you're fighting someone with a deeper pocket, it's only so much you can honestly do because you may not even be able to afford to hire an attorney with expertise mm. that they would have so mm -hmm. you probably would end up settling if they're willing to settle with you mm -hmm. uh, in that case but it just shows the importance of registering your name there there are many like you know acts that neglect to register their name yes um you know and then it comes up later and becomes mm. an issue. So it's, you know, it's a huge, huge thing. And yeah. it's just very important because your brand is over, I mean, the majority of the value of your business. Right. You know? Like, absolutely. You know, so it's yeah, everything. that's just very important. Yeah. Now, when we spoke off the air, since we're talking about, you, you mentioned something, I don't know if it was this conversation or before, when you talk about confusing the marketplace, if too many people are using a name or something thereof. Remember, I was asking you about Morris Day in the mm -hmm. Time mm -hmm. and how, yeah. uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, Morris Day of the time uh recently sued the estate of prince because he wasn't allowed to use the name morris day in the time if i'm not mistaken um while he was still with us prince had you know established clearly that he didn't want anybody using the name the time because he owned it in which case they had to then change their name to the original seven but even as a performer uh or i should say despite that as a performer doing the live show, he was allowed to use the name Morris Day in the time. 
And I guess he recently sought to trademark that Morris Day in the time. And he wasn't allowed to do that by the, the estate of Prince. So can you can you walk me through that a little bit? Why would that be problematic for Morris Day and the time in terms of just in terms of the live performance? And why would a estate be so staunchly against him? Uh, if they've allowed it for all these years, why wouldn't they be okay with him trademarking it? Um, you said that they own the time, right? Correct. Okay, so that's why, because they own the time. So they don't, I mean, that can cause confusion because like when you register Mark and if it's, if the, the standard is, is there a substantial likelihood of confusion between two marks. So mm -hmm. if there's another group called the time running around and then you have Morris Day at the time running around, people will be confused. Mm -hmm. Like, which is the real time? <laughs> right. What time is, is it, it really? Time or, right. Day daylight savings My time? time? <laughs> right. Pacific My time? time your time, right. <laughs> and so, you know, they don't want to allow that. Like, mm -hmm. And honestly, the trademark office probably wouldn't even have allowed that because it's a likelihood of confusion. Mm -hmm. And the trademark office is getting way more strict uh, because of the sheer volume of trademark applications that they're getting, where it used to take three months for an examining attorney to get to your mark. Now it takes six months just mm -hmm. for them to get to it from when you put it in. Oh, wow. So they have become like hawks on <laughs> the applications where they used to be a little more lenient. Now they're like mm -hmm. going in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that, I mean, you know, I just see oh. different cases of like if there's one word same and that's like a, you know, strong word, then they'll usually um, not allow other marks that contain that word in it. This has uh, been Stacey Epps. Uh, wonderful time we're having here. What's the best way for people to get in contact with you if they want to use your services, follow your career? What's the best way for them to do so? Um, I guess uh, Instagram, because everything is linked there. Mm -hmm. So like at Stacey Epps, S-T-A-C-Y-E-P-P-S, because -E um, my website is on there my my law firm website is eps firm e p p s f i r m dot c o mm -hmm. and um yeah and then i have um my nonprofit site is lovelikewater.org and i have like beautiful copper water bottles mm -hmm. that i'm selling to help support our work um mm -hmm. and they're 100 copper healing um really a lot of benefits to drinking out of copper absolutely so yeah for sure i, I definitely appreciate you having me on it's been a great most conversation definitely. most definitely yeah i mean so much yeah <laughs> likewise you're one of the jewels in our uh industry and uh, it's a pleasure to have you here so continue success and uh, we'll be in touch okay all right thank you peace you're everyone absolutely <laughs> Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet. 
at the intersection of Funk and Soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Time, as well as Friday evening, 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our very special guests for the evening, Lori Peacock, Jeffrey Keller, and of course our good sister, Stacey Epps. And by the way, be on the lookout for the brand new Black Star album. That's right. That's Talib Kweli and Yasin Bey, formerly known as Most Deaf. Black Star has a new release coming out very, very soon and produced by Madlib represented by our good sister Stacey Epps. So be on the lookout for that big project coming out in a few short weeks. Also want to send a very, very special shout out to Mr. Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care. <laughs>